I just happened to think of something. I might have one job that you could take a crack at. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Jay, and this is the Rewatch Podcast. I watch movies all the time. Then I like to rewatch them, and sometimes I'll even watch them again. It doesn't matter if they're good or bad or just downright terrible. I'm going to watch them and then tell you all about them. And sometimes I'll have special guests join me. This is the Rewatch Podcast. Welcome back to the Rewatch Podcast. I am Jay Thomas. And this week we were talking about a movie that I kind of talked about briefly uh, at the beginning of the year, Nightmare Alley. Uh, this time it was brought to my attention that it needs to be talked about more thoroughly uh, from my good friend Heidi Baker. Heidi, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me back. I am so glad you're doing the show. What a uh, what a complete change from the last film that we did together, which was <laughs> Troll 2. I know. I um. I just I feel like I've grown since then, um, <laughs> since that first time we worked together um, doing that. And I'm just so excited to to talk about what is probably one of my top 10 favorite movies. It's really, really good. I watched Nightmare Alley again yesterday, but I, I have to say, full disclosure, uh, I did. I did drift away for about 20 minutes because you fell asleep or you got bored. No, I, I fell asleep. I didn't mean to. I thought I was fighting it, and then I realized it was like 25 minutes later. So, um, and it's the part that I really wanted to see if I could understand better, which was basically everything with Kate Blanchett in the middle of them setting up their yes. kind of relationship. And I was like, that's still a section I don't really know well. But uh, for anybody that hasn't seen this movie, uh, it is the latest from Guillermo del Toro. And here is the trailer. I will ask you simple questions. You will answer in short sentences only what you believe to be absolute truth. Absolute truth. I can do that. Now, brief as you can, what is your name? Stanton Carlisle. Are you a true medium? Yes, I am. Mr. Carlisle? Doctor. That. Please lay down. Can you read minds? Yes, I can. Under the right circumstances. Keep your answers brief. What do I want? To be found out, same as everybody else. Are you in contact with the beyond? Well, we've had our share of snake charmers in the past. We deal with them. You don't fool people, Stan. They fool themselves. I've given you a fortune! It's time that you delivered. When does it end? I want to know. If you displease the right people, the world closes in on you very, very fast. So yeah, you you've been you've watched it in a couple different sittings, correct? <laughs> well, that's cute that you say it like that, so it doesn't make me sound like a lazy slob, but yeah, um, I watched it three times pretty much back to back in a span of 36 hours probably just mm, while wow. my family was gone i watched it because i know you and dylan my husband had seen it when you guys were together and one, it was of, one of my rare movies. theater experiences yes i uh, <laughs> thought it was good enough to go to the theater yes and it was one of those movies where you know i love guillermo but i was also sort of unexcited I wasn't excited mm -hmm. about this. Unexcited. Is that a word? Um, but anyway, 
And so I told Dylan, just, yeah, just go see it without me. Just go with Jay. Have fun. And then he came back and he said, oh, my gosh, I loved it. So yeah. a few days ago, I tried to, I watched it and I was not impressed. And then I watched the last, like, oh, probably half hour. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I have to watch this again because holy that was intense. I clearly wasn't paying attention. So I watched it a second time, got all the things I was missing, loved it even more, watched it a third time. And I, that's all I've been thinking about is this movie. Yeah. And that, that's something that happens similarly to me. I mean, I only watched it once the first time as I'm watching it, as I'm getting kind of more engrossed in this world, which is, I mean, I could have stayed in the first half of the movie the whole time in the circus. I just kept thinking about it over and over again. And it just stuck with me for such a long time. And I couldn't wait to watch it again. And it is currently streaming on HBO Max and it's also on Hulu. And I, I, I mean, I know usually I say this to the end, but I highly recommend seeing this movie to literally everyone. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, but I am excited to talk about the movie. I'm excited to hear your take on Bradley Cooper's character, Stan, who after every time every time I watched it, I, I hated more and more. So I'm excited yeah. to talk about it. Well, well, and, and I should mention this is uh, probably going to be a pretty heavy spoiler review where we're going to kind of get into all of the nooks and crannies of the movie and try to figure certain things out. So if you haven't seen it, here's just your blanket spoiler warning. It's going down. Spoiler alert. Hey, Jay. When, yeah. Um, actually, I'm so sorry. Hit pause. I just got a text just now from Jack's teacher saying he popped his eye out on accident in class and oh. he's freak he's freaking out. I'm so sorry. So <laughs> this is my nightmare. This would be a good time to mention that her son has a prosthetic eye. And it's not his actual eye that has popped out. Uh, but we'll be back. One of the first things we see is we're not really exactly sure what's going on, but Bradley Cooper's got some sort of body wrapped in a blanket and he's throwing it in a hole in the ground in a house and then he lights it on fire. Right. And that, that's our introduction to uh, Mr. Stan there. Uh, that's quite quite the introduction. It is. And clearly I paid so much attention the first time that I didn't even remember that until I didn't even realize that happened until I watched it a second time. And I'm like, holy, how did I miss that? Mm -hmm. Yes. I have to just tell you, though, that moment on, I'm just you're I'm captured. I was just captured by him. Yeah, because you don't really know what's going on. And then he gets on a bus. And mm -hmm. this is where I sort of thought, like, because the whole time I was watching this movie, I had the, the title Nightmare Alley stuck in my head. And there's a moment where he's on the bus and he leans back to like go to sleep so this whole time i was kind of like all right is this a dream is this whole movie gonna be a dream on a bus and oh. thank god that didn't happen oh we i would not be doing this with you if that was the case no <laughs> and so he's on the train he gets off the train and then is this where we just see him it's it's and he's just kind of walking walking towards this carnival yeah, yeah but by the way this movie is so beautifully shot yeah it is a gorgeous looking movie and there also is a black and white version i guess that they started playing in january Ooh. and i bet that looks really neat too but like the colors and everything in this movie is very good but yeah that's where we get to like the first half of the movie where he spends it uh as a carnival worker and i loved this whole part of the movie like i could have stayed with the carnival the whole time. I thought it was so neat. But uh, you, we meet the uh, the carnival people, which is just filled with some of my favorite people. Willem Dafoe is amazing as Clem, the kind of, I don't want to say ringleader. He's not really the ringleader, but he's like the owner of the carnival. Yes, yeah. Um, you get... Uh, Tony Collette and David uh, 
uh, Stratham, and they're the married couple. They're it's Zena and Pete. They're like the um, like the fortune tellers. I loved them, and I wanted more of of those both of those characters. Oh, I I love them absolutely, and I really I'll tell you the only person I didn't like, <laughs> I as a person I'm sure she's great. I never really liked her character. I guess towards the end I liked her, but as an act, I didn't really like Rooney Mara's as her Molly. character as Molly. No, I was sort of like, eh. But I, I mean, feel like she's always at a distance in everything that she's in. Yeah. There's just always this sort of this wall with her. And I don't I don't really know what it is. I mean, half the time, I don't even know if it's her. Yeah. Like, I spent the entire time in the theater like, is that Rooney Mara? I think it might be, but I'm not 100% sure. Oh, my gosh. And hey, let's not forget Paul Anderson, who was just amazing as the geek, which I didn't even know what a geek was, except for you. Um, How dare you? But I, that's another thing I learned about this movie were geek shows. I didn't know anything about those. Yeah, I didn't either. And of course, we're missing one of my favorites, constant in the Guillermo del Toro movies, Ron Perlman as Bruno, the strongest man. And he's kind of looks after the Molly character. Yeah. Uh, I, he, I love him in everything he's in. Me too. Yes. I don't I believe do. you. No. <laughs> I know. Maybe I don't watch. I, the things I've seen him in, I, I've loved, but I loved stan's relationship he's kind of a womanizer i think too yeah um obviously we can just say it right like stan has no no moral compass he's just no he's, he's just and he, a bad he, guy and the more you see it the more that becomes clear with like every viewing how just a scumbag he really is yeah right they built this entire i mean they built the entire carnival on location so like it was almost a functional thing and that would have been just so cool to go through that set so creepy i mean it's such a creepy just downtrodden carnival there's like it seems like the worst one you'd want to go to i know i know but it's so cool willem dafoe i mean anything willem dafoe's in i can't look away from him he's just obviously he has just a remarkable face and a remarkable personality and he's sitting down with stan at the cafe and he's kind of talking to stan about uh, the geek in the show, right? About kind of yeah. So the geek uh, is is basically the first time you see him, he eats like the neck out of a chicken. Yeah, and uh, it's just it's you. They kind of treat him like he's sort of a half man, half beast, and then you learn he's actually just a guy that is extremely down on his luck and addicted to uh, alcohol or whatever else is going on. And he's gotten so far away that he's almost like a feral kind of person. Yeah. And the geek gets, gets away at one point And then uh, he meets up with Stan, Stan whacks him in the head with a pipe, I think. Yeah. And then it's not too much longer that, that, that hit kind of, it, it seems like it gets infected and they just go and dump this guy in an alley. And at least Stan's like, here, we got to put him under here to get away from the rain. And I liked Willem Dafoe. He's like, you don't have to pretend here like you care. So like he sees Stan for who he is. Like there's really no, there's no like human behind those eyes. No. And the thing also that keeps the geek staying is not only the alcohol, but like, like Clem, Will, Willem's character says, is he laces the alcohol with opium. You got to pick up a broken drunk, a real alky, a two bottle a day full seat. Pick him up from where? Nightmare alleys, train tracks, flap houses, you name it. Now, opium really sinks its claws, but you reel them in with booze. You tell them, 
I got a little job for you. It's a temporary job. Make sure you emphasize that. Just temporary until we get ourselves another gig. You spike it with that opium tincture. One drop per bottle. That's all. Yeah, so of course he's going to do these stunts like ripping a chicken head off, like biting its neck, because he knows if I do this, I'm going to get my next fix or whatever. So then what, Stan's character... I don't know, after he and Clem chat and they talk, gets, what, like, upgraded, promoted then <laughs> in the... Kind of, yeah. Like, carnival. he just starts doing basically whatever they need. And he spends a, most, a majority of his time uh, with Xena and Pete uh, with their illusion of her being able to read minds and help people out. And there's a, a moment where Pete's so drunk he can't help. Like, he... I really liked their setup where he's underneath the stage and there's a mirror window so she can look down and he'll explain everything to her and where she kind of just makes it up as she's going because she can read people, but read them in a logical way and not like in a mystical way. And after they did that, she's like, you know, we can't do that again. And Stan sees this like, we should always do this. What are you talking about? It makes her feel better. We can get more money from it. And they're like, no, it doesn't really make them feel better. Like it, it can only lead to bad things. And you're referring to when uh, Zena's character is cold reading to that woman whose mother mm-hmm. died or or is very sick. Oh, and like, will my mother ever get well? And then she flubs up and says, do you have a brother? And right. Like, no. Oh, my brother died. And then, of course, you get and it happens in real life. You get these charlatans who come in. Oh, yes. I see your brother. He's touching you right now. Yeah. Oh, and then everybody's up. just like, mystified by it. And goes and and goes right along with what she's saying. Yeah. Trying to get like anything that's kind of similar to her life and she'll connect the dots. And yeah, but Stan's very interested in this stuff. He really likes this idea. And then so they then they do it. He wants to learn how to do this. And Pete kind of shows him. Please concentrate on this object I have in my hand, Professor. What can you tell me? Wristwatch, leather band, brass. Not gold. Uh, Old, worn down. But it's full of meaning. It wasn't yours originally, was it? You took it. You stole it, didn't you? Oh, I see an older man. The boy hates him. Oh, the boy would love to be loved, but he hates that man. <laughs> a little bit. Like, they, they do it to Stan, and that's when you kind of see, like, the wheels he doesn't turning. really have a great relationship with his dad, or mm-hmm. at least he didn't. And they just they said they can figure it out just because he's a young man, and that's usually what the problem is. And they just know the signs of, you know, he just kind of came out of nowhere, kind of a drifter. Usually there's an issue there. And that's just generalities that uh, they can kind of figure out. I also like the two things that Pete mentioned to Stan, which was when doing these cold readings, because he said, you know, what if nothing's coming or what if, you know, I'm not I'm not getting anything. And then how Pete and I guess Zena, too, both were like, oh, well, one, you can just pass out like, oh, God, the spirit is so so moved. I'm so moved. And people won't even know that you're full of it it'll just be like whoa wow it's so Mm -hmm. powerful and i know there was another little trick but then but then of course pete is warning stan don't do this it will turn you into a monster right pretty much like this yeah essentially yeah like it'll take over everything and Mm -hmm. you know if you get a good god-fearing person like they could do bad things with it and there's a a moment where we learn kind of early on 
Willem Dafoe's going through this little area of his gross jars of pickled fetuses. <laughs> and uh, he also shows the alcohol, which there's wood alcohol and I think it's like sugar alcohol or something like that kind you can drink. The wood alcohol you don't drink and is basically poison. You know, Pete's an alcoholic. Yeah. And he wants more. And it's never said that uh, Stan accidentally oh. might grab the wrong bottle. Yeah, we know. But yeah. We because you come to start realizing, like, unlike naive Heidi of viewing number one, when I was like, oh, Bradley Cooper's is down on his luck, this poor man. And mm-hmm. no, by viewing two, I'm like, well, of course he killed Pete because he's a psycho. Like, he has, yeah. he's a psychopath. He is just well, a bad, he bad guy. More. He yeah. constantly wants to be richer. He wants more power. He's and he really wants to do what they're doing. He really, and Pete's got this book that he's shown him on how to do everything that they yeah. do and he's like oh great i'll just uh i'll just take that so he kills pete From and no one really point. suspects him they just think maybe he's finally drank himself to death yeah um so it's kind of the perfect murder and this whole time he sort of has has started a relationship with molly which i even watching it the other day i was trying to figure out like does he really care for her or not like i think he does at least in the beginning yeah but it's hard. It's hard to say. But I didn't. He, that that's the one I didn't like that relationship in the movie because it just I couldn't. I didn't see it. I don't know why that was even written in the script. Because um, it was in the book and the original. Movie. Oh my gosh. Oh. Um. But then obviously he takes over, um, Pete's job in that the carnival, and he does a great job. And then that's when he's like, "I'm going to do my best, Bradley Cooper, right now, Molly. Let's get out of here." That was horrible. Hang on. Molly, let's get out of here. Come on, Molly. You're coming with me. I know I can make it, Molly. I need you to be with me. And then, of course, you have Bruno, Ron Perlman, like, no, stay with here, Molly. Don't go with him. But what is? She, but she goes with, with Stanton. She leaves. Bye. Could, she leaves the carnival. Could you, you, go could with you this. just, like, could we just stop talking about the movie and you just act it out the whole rest of the way? Oh, you don't even want to know what my Mary uh, Steenburgen voice is like, so... <laughs> I Just bet. Wait. Well, when we get there, you're doing it, damn it, because I can't <laughs> wait. Uh, but th- there, there is a really, there is a part before they leave. It's kind of where he realizes, like, I can do this. Oh, with the um, sheriff. The sheriff comes to the circus, and they have to hide the, their new geek, because they're breaking in a new geek. Yes. Uh, just some drifter off the street. And a sheriff shows up to basically shut him down. Uh, Stan does the tricks. He, he's doing what Pete taught him. Like, he's looking at the guy figuring things out based on like his shoes and like a cross that I think he has on his around his neck. And so he can get some clues on what to do. And he completely gets the guy to believe that he is a medium and he's got messages and uh, makes him essentially go away. Yeah. And can we also just pause for a moment because I love pretty much everything Jim Beaver is in. Um, Yeah. He's great in this. He's so good. Um, and he plays uh, the sheriff. And so at, at this point, you know, he's like, I, I know what I, I know what I can do. We can take this on the road and he's going to teach uh, Molly all about it. And they leave. And then it does a whole two years later thing. And we pretty much leave the circus. And now uh, Stan and Molly are living the big life. I forget what town they're in. Are they? You in know, York he's City? living the big life because now he has a mustache. Oh, yeah. And a nice fresh haircut. He's wearing a tux and mm-hmm. he's entertaining rich, rich people now. Now he's sort of like entertaining. Doing yeah, like a ball, ballroom people. area. And uh, but, yeah, he's basically doing 
exactly what they told him not to do. But this is where he meets, which we don't know at the time will be his arch nemesis, Kate Blanchett, who is Lilith. By the way, I just got to say, like I was saying how gorgeous this movie is. I have never seen somebody lit better than her. And like she has like this <laughs> glowing look to her in the entire movie. Yeah, I don't know what it is. <laughs> But, like, she is glowing in this entire film. It's crazy. When I see people lit, they're definitely not glowing. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Kate Blanchett, <laughs> yes. She she really does. It's like, I, I don't know, like, she has a glow worm stuck inside her cheeks or something. Like, she's just glowy. They do this thing that they do in, like, a lot of old film noirs where I, I can I notice in a few scenes with her, there's, like, a highlight around her eyes. Yeah. Where like her eyes and everything are glowing like right, right. in there. Um, and everything else is a little bit darker. But she she thinks that they're fakes. She thinks Molly and Stan are fakes and none of it's real. And this judge has basically hired her to kind of test it out a little bit. Right. But old, old Stan, he's ready. He's ready for a situation like that. And when I watched the scene, I was so nervous and scared. I bet. You know, you have like secondhand anxiousness. Like I had some anxiety, but. He pulled it off. He pulled it off because Kate uh, Lil- Lilith was like, well, what's in my purse, Stan? Yeah, and she's got that Lord of the Rings voice on that she doesn't like the opening of the first Lord of the Rings movie. Yeah. What it's is very- in my purse? And then, of course, he's like, well, uh, you know, uh, normal things, <laughs> lipstick, uh, you know, a mirror. And, of course, she's like, well, everybody has those, Stan. Like, you're not telling me something we all don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's when he pulls out the real clicker she's got a gun oh yeah a pistol with a like a fancy handle and silver and it's a pistol and sure enough it's in there and everybody is clapping yay she's a little bit mad at him because she she got embarrassed he calls her out basically of yeah like well you're trying to set us up and then the judge that she's with wants to know more and he starts telling him more and then he does the fainting trick right yes. then and there. And just, oh, like, that's right. Ju- that's right. Judge Kimball, who then we meet a Judge Kimball and then his wife, Felicia, played by Mary Steenburgen, uh, later. Yes. They have a conversation after the show's over. He wants a private reading. He's like, no, you know, I don't really do that. And he wants to do it. But Molly's like, you can't. Like, you can't do stuff like this. This is bad. Right. This is exactly what they've told you never to do. And he's like, all right, fine. But then when he's in the conversation, he it, like his hubris completely takes over. He's like, yeah, sure, we can do that. No yep. problem. Yeah. And then so now he has to rely on Lilith. What brings you here? You left me your card, didn't you? So. Here we are. Oh, not me. I never drink. Microphones. That's right. Wire recorder. You recording this? No. My office is wired to record all analysis sessions. You got a smoother line, but you run a racket. Same as me. Is that what this is? Yeah, she um, and she has basically recordings of all these powerful people. And she's not giving him any of that. She's just she just gives a little bit of like sort of breadcrumbs, I guess, mm-hmm. to get him a little bit more interested in what she's doing. Yeah. And for some reason, she she has it out for him. And they kind of have a back and forth before this where he's basically like calls her out for like, oh, well, you probably had mother issues and all this other stuff. And she gets real mad about it. And I think that's where she kind of gets the idea that, you know, maybe she's going to string this guy along a little bit. Right. 
Exactly. I think. I still don't really know exactly what her angle is in this movie. I always get nervous, though, when an exchange is done between two characters, especially characters like this who are just like oil and water. And I, mm, when you have Lilith, who's like, I will give you these breadcrumbs. You know, I will mm -hmm. tell you what you want to know. But then you need to sit down and I want to know. Tell me about yourself. No, lines. yeah, she wants to analyze him. I want, and you have to lay down in this chair, sit over there and tell me. And of course, she knows how to open those wounds. She talks about, oh, I notice you don't drink alcohol. Why is that? Tell me about your father. Oh, you didn't. Oh, were you abused? Were you, you know, all of these things, you know, really just like getting. And he doesn't him. give he doesn't give it all up like no. right away either. No. Like they meet several times and she gets a little bit more and we learn yeah. a little bit more. Um, but when they he does the uh, the home reading for the judge, uh, he basically is like, your son's here. Uh, her, the son died like in, in World uh, War. In one. War. And so he's meeting with the judge and his wife, Mary Steen Virgin. He's like, your son's here and he wants you to know that he's OK. And, you know, he, he he'll be with you again someday. And that's kind of all they needed to hear. And then and, Mar and then Felicia, who's um, the judge's wife, you know, played by Mary. He's really just, of course, like charlatans do in real life, you know, like, oh, yeah, you'll they're here. They send their love and. Mm -hmm. Um, he wants you to know that he loves you and that he didn't have any pain. He died he right no, away. And he, and he you will. He is certain you will see him again. Mm -hmm. And that's again. And then Mary says something which all parents or pe people who just you just know. It's like, you know, when he left, he took everything with me when he left. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like clearly she has this anger towards her husband because she blames him for sending his, her son to war. It was the husband, the judge who wanted him to enlist. Obviously the son got killed. So she's like, I have nothing. He was it. He took my, like he is, my life ended when he died. So mm -hmm. we know how depressed and like just how horrible she feels already playing with that mental health. You know, that's not going to go well. And then through the judge who is satisfied with what he's learned, uh, he, kind of hooks up Stan with uh, Ezra. Ezra Grindle, played by Richard Jenkins, who Ooh. I love this guy in everything, but I've never been more scared of him ever than in this movie. I have. Okay. I loved him in Six Feet Under, of course. <laughs> I've loved him, in, like you said, in everything. But to see him play a character like this, I was not prepared for it. No. I mean, he's very quiet at first, and you're not exactly sure what's going on. He's got a lot of, like, bodyguards and i is is he in the mob is that what the situation is with i him? don't know but uh lilith lilith says you know with a man like ezra you don't like f around with this guy right you, you don't because his bodyguard played by holt mccallany mccallany i don't know he i love him in mindhunter on netflix um his bodyguard's name's anderson and anderson's already scary to me so you have anderson you have ezra and his other bodyguards it's scary well and none of these people really believe that Stan is who he says he is. No. And they put him through a lie detector. Yeah. Which, which he, he gets out of because he does his thing. He remembers like he could do like these breathing things, which kind of uh, Lilith points out during his first therapy session. Like, do you have a stutter? Like, I notice you, you kind of do this thing and it, it sort of comes back when he does this mm -hmm. um, lie detector. But then right there to get out of it, all of a sudden he's like, oh, I, I, there's somebody here and you know, he does one of these and then nobody's paying attention anymore to his lie detector. It's well, he's got a little bit of info from yes. as well. And I, I truly believe he actually at this point is kind of starting to believe what he's saying himself. Yes. And oh, I think that helps, dangerous. too. I mean, because that's one thing that he was warned from Pete was like, don't believe your own lies. Yes. Because then 
only bad things are, are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I, he starts from this point on, it's kind of a downward spiral of what's going to happen. And yep. then he starts having more and more sessions with Ezra and Ezra wants him to basically like bring this woman back from the dead. Like he wants so, to be able to see her. So Ezra, um, it was it her, his wife, mistress, girlfriend, this I think woman. mistress or it, it was either mistress or girlfriend. I don't remember. Okay. Let's call her girlfriend. Just who knows? He forced her to get an abortion or forced her to have a mis- miscarriage, whatever, however you say it. I don't know if that killed her or if she somehow she's she died somehow. And then he comes out and says, you know, well, I hurt a lot of young girls. Yeah. So clearly, when, when we finally get him kind of towards the end of the movie, yeah. he starts to just because Stan tells him, like, you got to unburden yourself. You got to tell all your secrets out. And yeah, he's like a monster that has hurt. I mean, he says hurt, but I kind of interpret that as murdered. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of women. It's like, yeah. oh, God, dude, you're usually like a super happy, fun character to have in movies. And now like, you're this. My favorite thing, I think, is when he's Ben Stiller's therapist and there's something about Mary. No. I laugh my ass off every time that scene's on. <laughs> oh, God. I forgot about him in that. Yes. Rest areas are homosexual hangouts. Hmm? Highway rest areas. They're the bathhouses of the 90s for many, 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 many gay men. So what what do you... What are you saying? Time she's up. Of course. But now I just picture this and it's like, oh, God. <laughs> it's just chilling. Um, well, and but so then... while, he, while Stan... Uh, so Lilith is obviously like, you know, we need to... You need to materialize this because he's saying enough of this guilt trip shit. Mm-hmm. I need something more. I need her to appear. And then yeah. Stan's like, you know, I will give you, I've given you tens of thousands of dollars. And this is 1941, 1942. Something needs to happen. So that's when Stan goes up to Molly and was like, all right, Molly, look. And, and she's at this shirt. point, she's done with him anyway. Like yeah. she's tired of it. Yeah. She's had her friends from the circus come to visit and mm-hmm. they did a tarot card reading. Yes. And it, it was, was all bad. bad. Yeah. <laughs> and he's and, like, ah, I don't care about this. Yes. So Molly's like, no. I'm leaving you. I'm not doing this. This is horrible. I'm out of here. So she leaves. She goes to the train station to get her ass out of there to go hang out with her friends in the carnival, which I would tell any young girl, don't do that. But in this case, <laughs> run to them. Run yes, to it's, them. It's her family. I mean, she's yes. been there since the beginning. Yes. But then he is so desperate. He, you know, he has this, he wants this power. He's like, and so, of course, he chases her down. I forget what he promises her. Who- I think it's basically like, this will be the last thing, and then we're done. Like, I won't okay. do anything else. When it's so, so weird, too, he sees an old newspaper clipping of this dead woman, and he's like, oh, it looks just like you. It's a a drawing and not even a particularly detailed one. The, I <laughs> I laughed at that part, not in the theater, but I definitely <laughs> laughed at it the other day in my living room. I'm like, that? You got it from that? That they look identical? Well, guess and- what? Ezra, it fooled Ezra enough. Ezra was like, wow. And she goes with it, but she doesn't really want to. But she's like, fine, this is it. This is the, the last thing I'm doing. And she was going to be from afar. So the whole point was, I'm going to make, you know, okay, Ezra, Stan saying, Ezra, you know, I'll, I'll Molly or whatever, you're, this girl will reappear once you, you know, get cast off your sins or do whatever. Um, free yourself of your sins and then she'll, she'll appear. 
But the whole point was she would be far away. Ezra would see her and then that would be it. Right. Oh, doesn't that sound lovely? Yeah, but I mean, that's not where Ezra's head's at. I mean, he sees this woman that he's been pining for for years so much so that he's murdered others for her after her death that he like goes and basically grabs her and and she's like i'm sorry this is a bad idea i shouldn't have done this uh bye <laughs> and wants to leave and ezra's like you're not going anywhere like what is happening here and that's when... and then uh old stanton beats the living bejesus out of him and like punches his nose off yeah, it's pretty graphic and gnarly. It's very graphic. And then, and so, of course, Molly's is just like, oh, God, oh, God. Because she's covered in, like, this paint, right, to look like blood. Yeah, she's in and the, now there just, is actual blood on her. Yeah, she was just him. slapped, just slapped by Ezra. So now they get in the car. Of course, uh, Anderson, the bodyguard, is like, because Ezra was like, I don't want anybody out with me. Remember, he was like, yeah. I want to do this and by he's, myself. He, he's already been suspicious this whole time, but yep. as he's waiting he's listening to the radio and he finds out what we saw a few scenes before uh the judge and his wife uh were just having having tea time and uh she's like oh you know i i really i can't wait to see our son again so she pulls out a gun shoots the judge right in the face and then points it around at her and shoots herself in the eyeball yep and he hears that on the radio and he's like uh okay i better go see what's going on with them in that creepy garden yeah, so he goes out and then he, um, well, starts firing a gun at them. Uh, Molly and Stan are in a car trying to get away. And he does, Stan does the only logical thing, which is to back up over Anderson while and he's injured. Again. And then run him right on over. Double tap with a car. It's uh, the best way to do it. And then uh, let me tell you, this is like, there's probably 10 minutes left in the movie at this point. And you're like, what? what has happened there's only 10 where else can this movie go oh it goes yeah he goes back to see lilith who he's now actually had an affair with um because she says look you can't go any further with him bad things happen and she opens her blouse and she's got like a giant scar from like her neck down to her belly button and oh yeah and uh, that was before in the movie but we forgot yeah, that was that was earlier and uh and i don't know i would immediately do this but Stan starts kissing that wound, and I don't know how the hygienic that was. No, nope, but nope. Uh, then they have a a thing, and they're gonna get all the rich guys, and because he's got all the secrets, but she's not. She said she's not gonna reveal it. Well, he takes a copy of her key, uh, and then when he goes back, he's all hysterical, and you find out that this was sort of her plan from the beginning. That's right. He. Because he doesn't have any of the money. Nothing. No, she is is hidden it away from him. Yep. And then, of course, and this is when I felt very much like Shutter Island. It had the same feeling to me as Shutter Island at the end, where she turns on the cameras, she turns on the microphones in her studio, and she's really Mm -hmm. making it sound like, you're delusional, Stan. We never, this is only the third session. We've, you know, we've had sessions and there is no money and there is no this. And you're really thinking like, Oh, she, oh God. And so she, he does lose it because he realizes I, I have nothing. I, there, I have nothing. I'm going to just have to kill you. And I just remember my favorite line from Lilith is like, you think you can take my breath? Like, yeah, I think you can do that. And then of course her bodyguards come in. He flees. He's a runaway. He's back in a train with the chickens right where we started. Right. Yeah. It, it, well, he's actually, I think a little worse off because he, yeah. I think he could pay for a seat uh, in the beginning of the movie. Now he has absolutely nothing. And then time passes a little bit and 
He's all scraggly, got a beard, looking a little geeky, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes to another carnival, goes into the boss's office. And it's Tim Blake like, Nelson, who I yeah, love. I love him, too. And and Bradley Cooper's character is obviously down on his luck. And he's like, listen, you know, I've fallen on hard times. I Here's what I can do. You know, I could read people's minds. And Tim Blake Nelson's character is like, no, no, no. I, you know, oof, man. That's old like, news. No one cares about that and, anymore. And he's like, you, and you reek of alcohol. Like, no, you just... No, we don't need you. And then like a light switch goes off and he realizes, I know where we could use you, though. And he gives him the exact same speech that Willem Dafoe describes on how to get a geek. And Bradley Cooper recognizes it. He does. But he's like, I don't have a choice. And he says, this is the part I was born to play. Yeah. And it's and like this. That maniacally. laughing and crying and laugh. It's so powerful and it's so good. And it's an ending I didn't expect. I know you and Dylan saw it coming. Maybe it's heartbreaking. But at the same time, I'm like, no, he's a horrible person. Like, don't. Why am I feeling well, this way? And the guy's feeding him drinks, just like Willem Dafoe said you do. Yeah. And he's just becoming that th- that monster that he was confronted with twice before. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I did. Like when they. The whole reason I figured it out that that was probably what was going to happen was one, they had the speech about it, the diner, like the whole movie kind of comes yeah. to a stop to have this conversation. And they mentioned Nightmare Alley, like that's where you can find these drunken people. Yeah. And that's the name of the movie. And other than that scene, no one had mentioned anything about Nightmare Alley. And I was like, oh, I got to go back to that somehow. I mean, it's the title of the movie. So, I, I mean, it kind of gives itself away. But that ending is, it, yeah, it very much had like. Kind of that Twilight Zone thing I was talking about earlier, where it's sort of like he becomes the thing that he never wanted to be. Because also he had such pride in not being an alcoholic and not drinking. And then uh, Lilith got him to that point and started. And I always wonder if if the drink that she gave him was also maybe spiked. I don't know. Or maybe he was or maybe he I mean, once an alcoholic, you're always one. I realize that. But maybe he had been sober for a long time. I don't think he ever drank because of his dad. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, because he always, because she even mentions a couple times that he takes such pride in saying that he doesn't drink. Okay, interesting. And then he becomes basically his father, but, you know, 10 times worse. And he deserves it. He he deserves no redemption. Like, he's done horrible things. He's had, he had moments where he could have changed his life around. He had more money than all these carnival people ever had in their lives. And he did nothing positive with it. And then he no, lost and he's it all. Warned, and... He's warned so many times, don't do this. Like, yeah. stop. You need to knock it off. And he's like, ah, F you guys. I mean, seriously. But dang, it's a great movie. And I really want to go and watch it again. <laughs> like, I'm glad you had me hang out with you today talking about it. And I loved it. And I'm sorry I didn't do my, hang on, I'll do my, here, I'll try it right now. I'm Mary Steen Virgin. I'm, I'm Mary Steen Virgin. I can't. She kind of she has a shaky voice and she's always kind of smiling. All right. I should be on SNL. Um, Hey, really quick. Can you do an impression of any of the characters? Um, no. Cool. That was I can't like if I tried, it wouldn't be as good as yours. And then no one would listen. And I couldn't deal with that. Oh, oh, Jay. No, I'm Mary Steen Virgin. It's OK. Every- Everything's great. I'm married to Ted Danson. The Rewatch Podcast is an Alpha Media production. It ain't much, and I'm not begging you to take it, but it's a job. Of course, it's only temporary.